Welcome to Reframing Our Stories. This podcast is dedicated to deconstructing the stories we've been told about who we are and how we're supposed to be. I'm your host, Kara Houck. In today's episode, we talk with my friend Kelly Conroy. Kelly is the creator and founder of Fierce Unfolding. Fierce Unfolding is kind of like a love story of sorts, in my opinion, for Kelly as she travels through motherhood and understanding and realizing that motherhood can come with a lot of unexpected grief. Kelly uses her gift of writing and deep compassion to work with women through their birth story and motherhood experience. Join us as we talk about the commonly heard phrase, why didn't they tell me, and concerns of motherhood. This is Kelly Conroy. My interview today is with Kelly Conroy. I met Kelly at a co-working space here in Sacramento called The Maker's Place. Kelly and I both love writing. I quickly learned that Kelly holds a deep wisdom and a soul that offers pure goodness and care. She is someone who sees things clearly and works hard at understanding herself and others. We shared many stories about being mothers and the unexpected emotions that have surfaced in that journey. So Kelly, thank you for being with me today. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. That was such a kind intro. (laughs) I really appreciate it. You're welcome. That's how I feel about you. (laughs) I felt like when we met, I just really felt an instant connection with you. And then I feel when you started talking, one, that we both really want to become authors and we both love writing and have struggled in that path a little bit of just how to get our voice out there. But also when we just started talking about motherhood and how we were, we were both like, who knew Yeah, <laughs> that motherhood was a journey right. <laughs> that brought so many emotions and we didn't realize the hard emotions that motherhood would bring. Yeah. I mean, and nobody prepares you for it, right? Like there's a mm-hmm. lot of I feel like kind of lip service, right? Where people are like, oh, being a mother is like the hardest, but also the most rewarding thing you can do. And it's like, that's absolutely true. But nobody uses like in-depth language, right? Like there's no... Um, like if, if you could expand on the hard thing, right. that would be <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like people don't talk about that because maybe it makes us rethink it or... Or is it something that it's just too much for people even to put words to? Or what, what are your, what's your perception on that? Yeah, I think it's a, a complex reason. I think like our culture is so uncomfortable with unpleasantness, right? I feel like we're very, um, we're taught to like put all those unpleasant emotions like in a box. Like nobody wants to hear that. Like just especially women, right? It's like, just smile, just be pleasant, just be polite, just be quiet, just be, you know? Right. And so um, all of those, like all the anger and the grief and the rage and the sadness, all those things end up getting just kind of like boxed up and put like under the stairwell, you know? Mm. Um, And then I think the other side of it is like, we're so, our culture is very like isolationist, right? Like we're we're very like, we're with our little families and our little houses and we're separated from, you know, like the greater community in a really intimate way. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like access to that wisdom 
where in other cultures and other societies there are you know women who have have like learned those really hard lessons there's no easy way to exchange that wisdom right um, i i recently i had talked to my husband about the fact that i feel like the nuclear family uh when that started becoming our main cultural or societal norm is mm -hmm. what started breaking down this journey into motherhood but also into families that function well <laughs> mm -hmm. all together right and relationships because it, it is so isolating and i think for me with motherhood that is the biggest thing is that i didn't realize how isolated i felt for mm -hmm. years and i just felt so alone for so long yeah yeah we're just like put in like in our lane right and it's like just keep following this little lane and don't talk about uh, you know like stuff that comes in or stuff that you want to shove out of your lane it's like we're expected to be able to hold like all of the answers and all of the capacity and all of everything and it's it's impossible for one person to hold all that stuff like that's what community is for right and everybody mm -hmm. always oh it takes a village but it's like we don't <laughs> actually have where <laughs> you're like where's the village <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a great uh, saying but if we could like act on that that'd right. be mm -hmm. right yeah yeah the extended family thing I've found myself leaning really hard on like my mom especially since becoming a mother I'd like did not realize how much I would I would need her how much I would want you know that right. um multi-generational sort mm -hmm. of wisdom and help so yeah, yeah. so what had um I know part of our conversations before as we talked about, for me, for instance, I always dreamt of being a mom. Like it was one of those things where I always thought about my Cabbage Patch kids as being my babies, <laughs> you know, and I had these idealized visions of what it would be like to be a mom. And, you know, from the fact of, I felt like I'd be like this goddess breastfeeding and like holding the child to my breast, running in a field. <laughs> my hair blowing in the wind I don't know how wild, that could be wild flowers everywhere yeah <laughs> yes like this is the vision <laughs> and everything would be easy and it would just be luxurious and that was by far not my experience and so I'm curious for you too what was your journey of even becoming pregnant and entering into motherhood and what did that look like for you it was a mess it was not fields of wildflowers that's for sure um I my idea of it was like oh it's just like this totally normal thing and you just do it and it's fine right like my expectation was that like I would have a baby and then everything would be the same except I would have a baby with me right, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that is not what happened for me <laughs> um, I actually like put off trying to get pregnant for <clears throat> like a while because I thought that it would happen right away mm. And then of course, you know, best laid plans. Right. Um, it did not happen right away. It took like 10 or 11 months. Um, and then when I finally did get pregnant, I ended up losing two pregnancies so like consecutively. Mm -hmm. And that just filled me with rage, right? I was like, oh, why sure. didn't anybody tell me that this could happen? And everybody, you know, like when it came up, women were like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's really common or me too. Like I had that 
too. And I was like, why is this like shrouded in secrecy? Right. Mm -hmm. Like I've just gone through this like horrifically like emotional and physical thing. And nobody even told me that that happens, that that's, you know, an option or like a possibility, not an option, but a possibility. Um, And so, yeah, it, it was just very like tumultuous. And then, so by the time I got pregnant, I was like, okay, I've been through the hard stuff, right? I've been challenged. I've overcome smooth sailing from here. Right. And my pregnancy was a nightmare. My daughter's phase was a nightmare. She had colic for like the first six months. Oh, that's so um, it was so hard. And like breastfeeding was really hard. And just the whole, it, I, I describe it as like a grenade went off in my life. It just felt like I just exploded. Everything exploded around me. Who I was exploded. Like I lost my identity overnight. I lost my body. Well, the second I got pregnant, like, and I it just... Uh, you know, the illusion of control that I had just was stripped away immediately. It was a lot. So there's a couple things there. One, first of all, sorry about your loss with the miscarriages. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I do feel like that is something where people, why our society doesn't talk about it, I don't know. Because it is surprisingly, and I think I learned this too, once I started um, having kids is how many women have experienced miscarriage Mm -hmm. and that it is something that happens, but you don't, again, you, you don't necessarily think one that's going to happen to me or two that it's as painful. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I have not experienced it, but I've sat with women who have, Mm -hmm. and just like the depth of grief that they experience is a lot. Mm -hmm. And then the aspect to, you talked about breastfeeding being very hard and just, and then like the sense of a lack of identity. Yeah. So talk to me more about, I know those are three very different things. A lot of them deal with grief. Oh, absolutely. Right. So say more about like how those things then affected you as a person. Yeah. In becoming a mom. Oh my gosh. I where to start. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the miscarriages, I remember the first, after the first one, it was just like shame, right? Like I just felt Mm. so much shame. I was like, something's wrong with my body. Like I, you know, I can't, my body can't do this or like something about me is broken. And, you know, it it just, I, I internalized it very much as like, because I didn't have any information about it and it didn't feel like something Again, it was like what those unpleasant emotions. It was a very unpleasant experience. So in our in our society, that's just not something that you like share mm-hmm. typically. And so I felt like I needed to just lock it up inside of me and nobody would want to hear about it. Um, so I, I kept it very close and it was just incredibly painful. And so so then I, you know, I kind of moved through that grief, you know, on my own as best I could. And I felt like once I was to the point where there was behind me, even though grief is never really behind you, you know, it's just something that, you, that flows through and in, in different ways through the rest of your life. I was like, okay, I, like I did that. I went through that. It was terrible. Like I'm ready to try again, thinking like that's the worst that could happen. Right. So like from here right. on out, it's, it's going to be then, smooth sailing. Right. Right. <laughs> and so to have it happen again, then I just got really angry. 
and it, again like it's just like the layers of grief you know mm-hmm. um and i worked really hard because those are such uncomfortable feelings right that idea of like i don't have any control over this like right this loss is just coming into my life and there's you know nothing i could do basically so i did what i had been trained to do which is just like try to control it like try to fix it right find the problem Mm. which at this point it was like something's wrong with my body i will fix it Mm -hmm. and then i can control the outcome right i can manage it i can plan for it i can fix it um and then you know that obviously just did not work Mm. um and it, it it led me down the path of healing but it wasn't the path that i expected right it wasn't the path i was i set out looking for right yeah and then breastfeeding oh my goodness i am so fortunate that i had access to lactation consultants we i saw two different lactation consultants i spent probably like 10 hours total with lactation consultants Mm -hmm. um just like sobbing and you know like texting pictures and videos and um I worked really, really hard through, through all of like navigating all of that. And again, it was just this practice of me, like trying to muscle down, like trying to, I was like, I can get, like, I can find the solution. Like I can figure it out. And, um, like, you know, in that way I I did, we breastfed for almost two years, you know, and it was, wow. It was, that's amazing. I I flat out gave up and (laughs) pumped months because yeah I, I too was not able to breastfeed and that was for me a huge loss too like I just felt one I felt like all my birth classes were like and then the baby is born and she or he will just naturally find the nipple and start right. to suckle mm-hmm. and it's a yeah. beautiful thing and I was like you liars oh, yes. <laughs> yes that's, that's how felt. oh my gosh that's how I felt through the whole process I literally like I would look around and I would just be like you all of you, you've lied to me yes. this whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, it made me really mad. <laughs> and yeah, so I really muscled through breastfeeding. It was so much work. And it was, to, it was to the point where like, when my daughter was sleeping, if she was napping and she started to show signs of waking up, I would get just like terrible panic anxiety because that when she woke up, she would want milk. Oh yeah. And so I just would like, it, it was, it was so much for, for months we battled through it. And then I ended up breastfeeding her for so long just because I had worked so hard. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to get as much. You're like, listen, you know, (laughs) I mastered this and now we're going to take a break of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all of those things were like the idea that I had been sold, right. It was like, oh, once you have a partner and once you have a baby, then you'll be a complete woman, right? Uh, And so mm -hmm. it was like, there's something wrong. Like there's a void and I'm not whole and I'm not complete. And like, there's a, there must be something wrong with me that I like don't deserve this feeling of completion or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I, yeah, I had to go down this very long, dark, complicated, like years long path to figure out that like, like I was whole when I was born. Like we're all whole when we're born, you know, Mm -hmm. and like looking for these external things or like checking off these boxes. Right. So often I feel like having a baby is a checkbox in a woman's life. And, um, 
And like, those are not the things that will fill the void, right? That's an internal, an internal job. <clears throat> so how yeah, do you think, was, I feel like that, that is so many, a lot of women's stories, right? Who get mapped into these roles of like, you are, I love how you said, then I would be a complete woman. Because I felt the same way of like, okay, once I become married and then I get the child, then my, my job here is done. Right. Right. Like then I matter. I felt like I was given that story of one, you need a man to completely complete you. Right. You know, and once you become that person, then you, here you are. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now you can be shiny. (laughs) Right. And then once the kids come, then yay, like you have fulfilled your purpose. And then I also, the thing that completely threw me off course is because I felt this whole time, like I'm going to be a mom and this is what I'm going to do. And I become, I became a mom and I love my kids 100%. But there was like this nagging feeling of why am I not feeling satisfied? Mm-hmm. Like I, I have everything I needed to check off, but now there's a part that I still feel completely empty. Right. And I'm like, what is that about? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I big time went through that. And like you said, I think that's such a common story. And I think it's because as, I mean, I can't speak for men, how they feel, but I would say generally we're taught to look outside of ourselves Mm -hmm. for, right. We're taught that like, we need to earn our value, that we need to earn the right to be loved. We need to earn, I mean, you know, uh, our ability to share emotions. Like we have to strive for those things through like accomplishments or whatever hoops our culture puts us through. And, and it just strips away that the fact that like being, like being a valued human is your birthright. Right. You came into the world whole. Like mm-hmm. you, right. If, especially from the perspective of a mother, like, would you ever look at your child and say like, you must earn my love. (laughs) Yeah. Or like, right. Like you need to be romantically attached to someone before you matter. Right. You know, it just like, it doesn't make logical sense, but for some reason, subconsciously, you know, we ingested this message Mm -hmm. and then like you said, you get those things and there's still a void, like you're still unsatisfied. Um, and it's because that's, that's internal, right? You're not, you're looking for that love outside of you and it needs to be love that you're giving to yourself. And we're not taught how to do that. So how have you been able to find that for yourself? And then how have you been able to do that? If you have, or it's yeah. obviously <laughs> a still work in progress, I'm sure, because this is life <laughs> that we're on. Yeah. Totally. It's definitely a lifelong thing. Um, It took a lot of work. I thought that motherhood, you know, I thought that the grenade of my daughter life was enough of a teardown. But I think all of life is just like constantly peeling away layers and deconstructing and reconstructing. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I had this moment where I realized my husband's career was skyrocketing and he seemed to like have it all. And I seemed to, all right, I had like the husband and the house and the kid and that message that we're sold is mm-hmm. we're supposed to have. And um, I still was so unhappy. 
And I just kept waiting for my husband to like fix it for me. Right. I kept waiting for something to change on his end to where I would suddenly feel seen or heard or Mm -hmm. so that I would feel better about it. Right. Um, I joined a coaching program, a coaching program. Yeah. And it was like specifically for mothers and it was not something that I thought I would be into, but Mm -hmm. it just, it was one of those, like, it was so synchronistic, you know, it came into my life at exactly the right time. And I was just like, you know what, I need something. Mm -hmm. And I went into it and it just completely, just the act of doing something that was just for me was like the first step in loving myself, Mm. right? Like um, making, carving out that time for myself and starting like a, a daily journaling practice and really just that act of investing in me for my own sake, not because it would make me a better mom or because it would make me a better employee or a better wife or whatever, but like just for myself. Yeah. Like that's what I had been missing. I think that's what so many of us are missing, right? Saying It's like, almost like we hang ourselves up on the, I just think about, okay, I'm putting myself in the closet. I just hug myself like that pretty dress that you only take out every now and then, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to wear in a special occasion. And we're like, we'll get to you someday. Yes. And I feel exactly like that is how I was. It was like, all of a sudden I became a mom and like, I was helping my husband with his career and I decided to stay home. And it was very much like, I don't want to say like a martyr, but there was a part of it that was felt very much like that. And then to have the experience of just being so isolated and not having the support system, we also didn't have um, extended family around. And so it was very much like, all right, I will give everything that I have to all of you. And then that's, I guess, my calling. That's my identity. And then you quickly are like, am I ever putting on that dress? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Am I ever coming back to me? And I look back at pictures when my kids were babies and I look at myself and I'm like, who in the hell is that? Yeah. Like I lost, I think very much, I think so many mothers experience just losing themselves completely. Oh, absolutely. In the process. And that's what, right? Like that's the message is that the, the peak of a desirable woman is fully selfless, mm. right? Like no needs, no, no strong voice, no, you know, be physically as you can be, be as small as you can be, like just disappear oh, as much as you can, mm-hmm. but keep serving everybody. Like just kind of float around like a ghost <laughs> and make everybody else happy, but don't be a person. For those of you in Northern California and are searching for a great home, this is for you. We'd like to thank the Poindexter Real Estate Group our local sponsor for this episode of Reframing Our Stories, the podcast. The Poindexter Real Estate Group recognizes the importance of open conversations at home. Erica can be reached at 530-333-7207. Again, 530-333-7207. Now back to the show. I just love the fact that I through our conversations and seeing your journey and seeing that I know you've been working more in writing and just like discovering more about motherhood and you in the process that you created this 
website and this online forum or world for others called the Fierce Unfolding, and I'm just obsessed uh, with that name. <laughs> I just think it's a great name. Um, so talk to me more about that space uh, and what Fierce Unfolding is and why you created it and what has it done now for you? How is it transforming and all these Yeah. Things? Um, thank you so much for the compliment. I, the name Fierce Unfolding was, it like rung so true when I found it and it just continues, like it, it just feels so alive, right? Like it started as basically like a rage blog. Like I just needed an outlet to talk about all these things that caught me by such surprise in motherhood. And I wanted it, I wanted to be able to like put words to it as an outlet for myself, but also make it a resource and just like a light for other women that might have grenades in their own motherhood. Mm -hmm. And then as I worked on it and just kind of went through my life, I realized that like the name itself lends itself to like all women in all stages of life, mm -hmm. right? Like if you allow it, like even sometimes right. if you don't allow it, it kind of forces itself on you that you like go through this very tumultuous tumble right? In all these different areas of life. Um, so yeah, it really has turned into a community of just like helping women learn how to reclaim themselves, like learn how to know themselves and, and love themselves, no matter what stage of life they're in. Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's virtual, which is amazing and like such a gift that we do uh, virtual women's circles. And then I have a, a, like my own little coaching program um, where we talk about sort of the anthropology and the history of patriarchy and we dig into our own culture and find the ways that that is rooted in our own subconscious and in our own mm -hmm. actions. Because um, so much of so much of what happens around us gets implanted inside us. And so sure. we end up just like unconsciously perpetuating those things that we say we don't want. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, um, it's been like a really beautiful gift to me and it's been like so great to basically through fears unfolding to create like this net of women, which I think is sort of the natural state of, of women in community is to act as a net so that they're taking weight off of each other and also supporting the entire society. Right. What's kind of um, the thread, the common thread that you keep hearing among these women who oh, you have in your groups? Yeah, uh, like worthiness for sure, or unworthiness, yeah. right? Feeling mm -hmm. unworthy. Fascinating. Um, yeah, and it, it goes back to that conversation of like not being whole, right? Mm -hmm. Being told that you're not complete until, like, there is no, there's no until, right? What's what's the thing that you reach where you when you stop reaching? Like, there's, you know. Like, so how do we quiet as mothers now who are raising these children? Um, how do we help quiet those voices that still get instilled every day in our culture that we're trying to break that are expressing the cheapened version of worth? And I don't know how to say it like that, but yeah. I just feel like how do we help quiet those voices then to just say like your worth is because you're worthy, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so different for every woman because it, it depends on their own, you know, personal experiences, but there yeah. are, one of the things we talk about in the Changemakers program is um, 
your child archetypes. So within your subconscious, you have Hmm. these different characters basically that play out and they're informed communally, you know, through the collective, but also through your own specific experience, especially in childhood. And oftentimes what happens when you're feeling like really stuck or just really like repeating the same patterns over and over or can't make a decision, then it's because these two really specific child archetypes are just like chasing each other around and around in your brain. Interesting. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, I mean, it's fascinating. It's like psychology and anthropology and all kinds of. Which I absolutely adore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm a big fan of like weaving it all together, you know, like there's not, there's no like one field that has the answer. Mm -mm. Um, So it basically is like, it's, it's not so much like a, an effort to quiet. It's an effort to listen because ah. oftentimes like those voices get louder when you ignore them. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I think of it very much like, I, I mean, it's, it's sort of like inner child work, right? Like I think of it very yeah. much like if you had two six-year-olds in your brain and they both had something to say, the more you're like, quiet, 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 ignore them, the louder and louder and louder they're going to get. So if you turn towards those voices and you turn towards those unpleasant things that you've been mm-hmm. hiding in the shadows and you just acknowledge them, right? Like those, almost those like having a, like a sit down. Yeah. Like I absolutely. almost think about like, so let's get out our tea set. Yes. <laughs> like how we did as kids. What are you trying to tell me? Yeah. Yes. What exactly. Here. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's so much of like, because those are all pieces of you, right? It's not so much that we need to like get rid of something inside of us. It's that mm-hmm. we just need to accept all of the things that are inside of us because mm-hmm. there's, there's scary stuff and there's hard stuff. There's unpleasant stuff. And there's also like beautiful, wise, courageous, incredible stuff. Right. And it all like exists together and that makes you a human. But we've been told to ignore or to shame or whatever the, the stuff that the unpleasant stuff. Right. That might be harder. Yeah. So that's kind of where I get excited to along the same lines within sexuality, right? Because Mm -hmm. the whole reason why I became the sexuality educator was when I listened to the sexual health story of my life and Mm. to see the things that unfolded from that. And I think it's the same, like as when we take the moment to sit and listen, like you said, and, pay attention to what has gone on inside of us related to a whole slew of things, then we're going to become a little more wise and make connections and see why things are happening the way they are. And, you know, and to then be able to be like, Oh, let's, let's dissect this a little bit more. Let's help put this together. But the part of it, I think is how do we encourage people to take that time to do that? So often we get afraid because, I mean, some of the stuff that it can bring up, especially if we face some of the unpleasant things of childhood too, there's trauma there, there's abuse there, and it brings up a lot of feelings and it brings up a lot of triggers and stuff that we are afraid to cope with, right? Mm-hmm. So how do, we, how do we encourage people to like enter into that yeah. and to know like, hey, it might not be, you know, roses and sunshine, but when we do, when we do pay attention, this could happen or, 
you know, what do you, what would you say to that? Or what have you talked to women about with that? Yeah, it's definitely a hard sell if you're not ready, Mm -hmm. right? Like if, if you're not ready to face those demons and, and look at yourself as a whole person and look at your experience, um, then it, you know, I, I feel like if you're not ready, then you're not ready, right? You have to be, there has to be something really pushing you towards that work. Mm -hmm. Um, and wherever you start, right. Maybe you start in yoga, maybe you start in talk therapy, maybe you start just with a daily journaling practice for yourself. You know, there's so many different ways that you can get into it. Like my, my first experience was I had shingles when I was 26 Mm. and I was in so much pain and I was so desperate and I got a group on for Reiki and I'd never been to Reiki. It sounded like a bunch of like hooey, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, whatever, <laughs> like I'm going to try anything I can. And it helped so much. Huh. And I'm like, I can't make any sense of this right now, but it sort of planted the seed of like, there are so many different avenues and whatever speaks to you is what speaks to you, you know, like whatever works is good. Um, so yeah, I, I would say like, if it, if, any of this is resonating and if you feel called at all then it's worth exploring Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be a ripping of of the band-aid you know it can be a slow gentle process it probably should be a slow gentle process Mm -hmm. (laughs) um I feel like my band-aid got ripped pretty hard but I think when I look back I can I can see the signs that like I had been invited to start this work earlier and I kept resisting Mm -hmm. so I think you know um, I got I got pushed pretty hard because that's what I needed to make that move. But yeah, things like and that that's the other thing is like the things that have helped me the most are free, like oh. meditating for 15 minutes before my daughter wakes up, or like journaling every morning, or like YouTube yoga. You know, there are so many Isn't ways. Isn't that great? Yes, I, <laughs> I do YouTube yoga all the time. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. And like, you know, it's, it's, um, it's hard also when you've been told, like, you don't deserve these mm. things. You don't deserve yes. to feel whole. You don't deserve feel, you don't deserve leisure. You don't deserve pleasure, right? Like that plays mm-hmm. into sexuality so much. Huge. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so to overcome that, it's really just like baby steps in my mind. Like, take five minutes after you brush your teeth every morning and journal and do it just for you or like Mm. do something that feels good. You know? Um, I even think about too, with moms, like in terms of reclaiming bodies and stuff, I've like, I started doing this too. Like we just talked about brushing your teeth. There's times where after I brushed my teeth, I literally would just stare in the mirror and run my hands over my body. Mm. Oh, I love that. Because I was like, Oh, let's remember. Yeah. (laughs) One, you're not at all like you used to be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You've changed dramatically. But let me learn you again. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I think too, we are also, we are so departed from our bodies after Mm -hmm. motherhood. And and then we feel like we have to reach this goal of looking a certain way like we might have before, you know, that we just continuously alienate ourselves from you know, the body that houses our soul and like how we experience life. And so that continuously makes a barrier of being able to reconnect to who we are and like, you know, and loving ourselves too. Yeah. So 
Oh, I absolutely. Think that's a good practice. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. The, the body thing is I spent so much of my life feeling totally dissociated from my body mm-hmm. and I didn't even realize it until I um, was like a few years into therapy. I didn't realize it until like the first experience I had of feeling grounded. And mm-hmm. I literally, I remember like looking at my hands and being like, Oh my God, like I have hands. These are my hands, you know? Um, it's like you so became yeah. an infant again in your own sense. Right? I, I, I love yeah. like seeing babies like, ah. going like, look at this hand yeah. I have. <laughs> have you guys seen this? Um, yeah. And, and I think it just like as women, we're taught to just deny all of ourselves, right? We're taught to, mm. to deny ourselves from nourishing pleasurable things. And we're taught to deny the things that seem unpleasant to other people so yeah just like ignoring or like abusing your body is even just like saying mean things about your body to yourself like um yeah all of those are such beautiful practices of self-love it's just like turning towards yourself and looking at yourself for all of the complicated beauty that you are that's what loving yourself is complicated beauty that you are (laughs) good I like that so (laughs) what would be then for you because there's a lot in that we've had to you know deconstruct but what do you feel for you has been the biggest story that you had to reframe for your life I I mean I think we've hit on both of them and they're so intertwined but it really is like the worthiness thing and I think for me it was um, it was that like, I, I wasn't ever like good enough. And that's how worthy, like unworthiness manifested for me. It was mm-hmm. like, I always needed to give more and do more and be better and be perfect, right. All the time in order to be loved. And so, you know, that's so hard when, when as a mom, you're already asked to give what feels like everything. Mm-hmm. And it, and it still felt like, it wasn't enough. Right. So I just hit that point where I was like, I feel like a ghost and my body has just wasted away and my spiritual life is Mm -hmm. blank. Right. And my, Mm um, I literally, I, I mean, for the first, at least the first full year after having my daughter, I literally felt like a ghost where I, like, I wasn't sure if people could see me, Mm. but I knew that I was cooking them dinner. Right. Right. Here I am. Here's your yeah. food. Yeah. So that's like a huge thing, right? Because I've heard you say a couple of times being seen and heard. And I know from work in sex education, I say to people all the time, I, I feel like it always comes down, like you're talking about to self-worth and everyone needs, ha- needs to feel seen and heard, like mm-hmm. without a doubt. And I do believe motherhood is a place where, again, we feel invisible. I don't know where I'm going with this, but like, what do we say to that? You know, like, yeah. how does that change? And then how are you with the women you're connecting with? Like, you're clearly creating a space, one, where they can be seen and heard, right? Like, I'm here for you. I see you. Right. This can be hard and scary. I'm with you in this. Here's our net. Like, let me throw you this net. Yeah. So like, what do you want them to know? Like, what do you want them to take away? Um, I mean, mostly I, w- I want them to know that it's so helpful and so important to have those people that can see you and hear you like alongside you, 
but it's never going to be enough until you do that for yourself. Mm. Like someone can hold that space for you and, and give you that compassion and that opportunity to express and become and explore whoever you need to be. But like, until you accept yourself, you're always going to be looking for it from someone else. Right. Uh, And sometimes that's not always the best, right? Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. There's no, yes. And I, yeah, I think for me, I mean, it, it came down, I think for a lot of people, it comes down to like reparenting yourself. Hmm. Um, and not as a knock against your parents, right? But like parents are humans. Right. And we all have our specific traumas. We all have our unresolved stuff and that comes out on kids. Um, And I feel like our generation is doing really big work to, Mm -hmm. to try and like dismantle that stuff so that they're not putting, you know, their stuff on their kids. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's my, that's my hope at least. Um, But, you know, as a kid, there are a lot of times and a lot of opportunities to not be seen and not be heard by the adults that you depended on for survival. And so then that just gets ingrained. And, um, but then the beautiful thing is like, as an adult yourself, you can go back and say like, no, I see you. I hear you. Like you can validate that experience and and who you are as a person. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it's big and it's beautiful and um but yeah I just I feel so strongly like we can't heal the world and we can't serve our children we can't serve our communities until we do that for ourselves Mm -hmm. that's the truth yeah see this is what adulthood is you're like oh everything yeah (laughs) (laughs) let me dismantle that and yeah it's so it's exactly like I yeah I often look at my husband and be like can't I just like for a day just blame (laughs) you for this like can't I you know oh I'm really awesome at blaming sometimes (laughs) you're so good I know you want to blame me and I was like I'm doing a good job (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah like oh that's my problem all right right I know I know it's a yeah it's a lot of work but then like that's why it's so important to have like a community and to have some like humor and levity and just like grace around all of it right like we're all just trying to figure it out and it's a lifelong thing and And it's really hard and we're gonna make mistakes and Mm -hmm. we just gotta hold each other in that space yeah absolutely so where can people find you if they're just like this fierce unfolding this sounds (laughs) Amazing and wonderful. And I love everything Kelly has just said. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, How do they find you? Yeah, I am. So the website is thefierceunfolding.com. And then on Instagram, I'm the handle is at fierceunfolding. And I'm on and um, to all the usual places, you know. Um, <laughs> all the social media gems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have it's, it's all about like building community. So there are different offerings and different opportunities to get involved at all different like types of time and cost levels. And I want to make it accessible because what's the point if it's not, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, Kelly, I loved this conversation and thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I I loved it so much about everything you're doing in this world and 
and really people, you need to go read her blogs because they're amazing. Her writing is beautiful and I love it. And it's so good and honest and truthful. And it's just something that we don't get to hear a lot of. So I appreciate that you are putting words to your emotions because I do believe that it's going to be reaching so many women who often aren't feeling seen and heard and, um, you know, because we don't talk about this. So I'm glad you are. And thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it.